If you're loving the Bible Brief, will you take just a moment to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify? We're having hundreds of people every week try out the show, and we want you to help even more discover the Bible Brief. Potential listeners depend upon your reviews to learn why they should listen. So will you do us a favor? Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Join the cause to help the world learn the life-changing story and message of the Bible. In life, we know that to get what you want, you have to work for it. Today, we'll see a biblical version of this. The Israelites enter the land of Canaan, and they'll have to fight for it. You're listening to The Bible Brief. Moses, the man who led the Israelites out of Egypt, dies in the wilderness outside of the land of Canaan. But before his death, he reminds the Israelites of the law that God gave them for the land. He spends most of the book of Deuteronomy in an extended monologue warning the people against disobeying the law that God gave them. As part of this monologue, Moses announces what are called the blessings and the curses. The blessings are the prosperity and blessings that the Israelites will enjoy in the land as they follow God and His law, as they conquer the people in the land and abide by the law that God had given them. These curses, in contrast, illustrate the awful consequences of falling away from God resisting his rule, and forgetting the law that he'd given the nation. These curses include disease, famine, drought, and other awful things, capped off by expulsion from the land because of foreign invasion. The law that God gave for the Israelites was serious business. So after Moses dies, there's a new leader for the nation that God appoints. This man's name is Joshua, and he leads the people in their initial conquest of the people in the land, which is largely successful. As you might have guessed, though, people already start to disobey the law. Generations pass, and God places many different leaders over the nation. These leaders were called judges, and they lead Israel for generations in the land. That is, until the people demand a king. They see all the other nations around them being led by kings, and they decide that they want to be like those other nations. So after warning them that a king will tax them and force them to go to war, among other things— God eventually grants them a king, and the first king of Israel is a man named Saul. Saul is anointed king of Israel in about 1050 BC. The nation is still in its campaign to drive the inhabitants out of the land of Canaan so that they can inherit what God promised to Abraham. And much of what we learn about Saul is in the context of these military campaigns. We especially learn that he can be impulsive and impatient. This becomes apparent when he breaks the law of God that he'd given the nation just before a big battle. Immediately, God announces that the kingdom will be taken from Saul and given to another king. And we soon meet the next king, David, and David pops onto the public scene in an amazing way. Saul and his army are hunkered down. They're at a sort of stalemate with the Philistines, one of their enemies in the land. And they are fearful of a particular Philistine who towers above all of the Israelites. He's the biggest man they've ever seen. This man comes out day after day to challenge the Israelites. He says that he will fight any man in Israel as a proxy for the battles that they had been fighting. If this large man won, the Israelites would be servants of the Philistines. But if the Israelite won, then the Philistines would be the servants of the Israelites. Well, in the midst of this, the young man David visits the Israelite camp to see his brothers and he hears this challenge by the large Philistine man. 
Shocked that he would try to withstand the people chosen by God to inherit the land, he challenges the Philistine. The young David says these words of faith, You come against me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of armies, the God of the ranks of Israel. You have defied him, and today the Lord will hand you over to me. Rather than trusting in his own power to defeat the large man, he trusts that God will give him victory over this adversary. But it's how David defeats the man that should make us very curious. Using a sling and a stone, David slings the stone at the man and it sinks into his forehead so that the man dies. This should make us think back at something, all the way back to Genesis 3.15. Do you remember what God said about this seed or offspring of Eve? that he would be hostile to the serpent and strike him on the head. Here we have David, an offspring of Adam and Eve, who strikes his enemy with a deadly blow on the head. As readers of the Bible, at this point in the story, we should be asking, is this the one? Is this the one who will defeat evil and bless the world? Later, we even see David wanting to honor God further by building a temple for worship. Surely this guy has to be the one. Well, as it turns out, he's not. He falls into sin against God as all the other humans before him had done. Despite a promising beginning, he fails to resist evil and live up to God's holy standard. Yet despite David's sin, God honors him with special promises because of David's desire to honor God and build him a temple. Do you remember what we called the promises to Abraham? We called those the Abrahamic covenant. Well, these promises that God makes to David are called the Davidic covenant. I think you see the theme. God essentially tells David that because David sought to honor God by building him a temple, that he'll give David three things, a dynasty, a throne, and an everlasting kingdom. This Davidic covenant was a promise of God that ensured David would have a dynasty of kingly offspring on the throne over a kingdom that would last forever. Not only this, but we find in the covenant that there will be a future king to whom God will be father, and this future king will be son, and it will be that king on David's throne forever. As you can see, this is a big promise. David is being told that his dynasty will culminate in a king who rules forever in an everlasting kingdom. This is an intensification of the promises of the seed of Eve, the seed of Abraham, and now the seed of David. We're getting the picture of a person who will vanquish God's adversary, defeat his enemies, bless the world, and will rule as king over Israel. While David appeared to potentially be this figure at the beginning, we come to find that it's through God's promises to David that the expectation of this future figure is intensified even further. God is going to do something great, and we're getting glimpses at what he's going to do through the Davidic covenant. After David's reign, his son Solomon reigns in his place. Solomon is the one that God allows to build the temple that David his father had wanted to build. This temple that Solomon builds becomes the great center of life for the people of Israel. This is the place where the substitution sacrifices are done, the place where people go to be close to God, and Solomon spends years and fortune building this. In these 10 steps through the Bible, we won't be talking about the temple a whole lot, but this is an important subject in the Bible that we'll cover when we slow down our speed again after this run-through. Just remember this. The temple that Solomon built, and the temple generally, is the place where God dwells. 
It's the primary place where he makes his presence apparent on earth. Though again, God's presence isn't confined to the temple by any means. The temple is simply the place where he makes his presence apparent on earth. So I recognize that this particular episode was dense, but I'll say that these are people worth knowing and promises worth remembering. So quickly we'll review what we've gone through. The first three kings of Israel in the land of Canaan were Saul, David, and Solomon. Saul, David, and Solomon. And the covenant promises that God makes were with who? David. And this promise essentially involves a future figure who will be in David's dynasty, rule on David's throne, and will rule over an everlasting kingdom. As we end this episode, I need to tell you something else about David and Solomon. They didn't just have peaceful rules over Israel. Instead, there were consistent threats to their rule over the nation from within. People who thought they should be king instead of them. Well, we're going to see what happens with this rebellion in our next episodes. Will the kings in David's line be able to continue tamping down the attempts at insurrection? We'll find out next time on The Bible Brief. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. You can find more Bible learning content like this on our Instagram. Just follow at Bible Lit or check out the show notes to this episode. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2022.